Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, depending on where you are in this fine world, and I'm Todd DeVoe, and I am looking forward to this conversation today, but before we get into it, I wanted to say, hey, you know, thank you to Dean Land, uh, Buffalo Computer Graphics Disaster Land. It's emergency management solutions that has helped Teams across the United States and Canada prepare for, respond to, report on emergencies. And matter of fact, this is probably some of the software that you would use uh, for planning what we're talking about today. And uh, they secure web-based tools, extremely uh, intuitive, and they have an automated custom workflows that reduce data entry and error. So with DLAND, any organization can easily track, manage, and report multiple incidences in one unified location. And I know for a fact that DLAND was used um, in the last Super Bowl. And we're going to talk about some planning and strategies and what it is in using incident management teams for planned events. Now, if you look around the world, we have all sorts of planned events that um, are highly significant. In other words, uh, people might want to um, do bad things there. And so having a great planning um, is important. So sporting events around the world, Super Bowls, playoffs, World Series is going on right now, um, Rose Bowl Parade. Pasadena is a great one um, to think about New York City uh, with the New Year's Eve celebrations that are happening there and the millions of people that are uh, walking around that place. And then, of course, you know, we've seen parades, right? Just local parades uh, that have had some issues where uh, somebody decides to drive through them and, and cause havoc. Matter of fact, the guy was just convicted uh, just the other day for, for doing that. So I looked out and I found one of the experts here in the United States on using incident management teams and Troy, welcome to the program. Oh, audio. How about now? Oh, now we got you. Okay. Good morning, Todd. Uh, nice to see you. Um, thanks for having me. I'm not sure. Uh, not sure I meet the, the term of expert, but uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll go with that. Well, the, 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 always said like the guy who knows 5% more than you is the expert, right? So you definitely know 5% more than I do. So in this case, you're the expert in the room for sure. Um, you know, I know you've done a lot with, with events and planning for events and using instant command and instant management teams uh, for that. Before we get too deep into what it is to use one, what is a process like when you're forming a team that is going to manage an event? Well, um, great, great question. That's a, um, uh, the, the, the straight answer is, it's different every single time, right? It's a different jurisdiction, different organizations, different people, different politics, personalities. Uh, depends on where you are, what their uh, existing skill set is or qualification set is. Um, and, uh, and, and even if you have a lot of folks qualified, their experiences might be different. So really the beginning of that process is to determine, uh, to kind of do a survey and determine what... Uh, what do you have locally? Because, you know, the, the intent is to use the local team or local resources as much as possible because it really is their event. Um, but we got a survey, uh, identify those folks that uh, have expertise. Sometimes that's a conversation about, hey, what training have you had? What teams have you served on? Uh, have you done this event before? 
And then, um, and then the other piece of it is, you know, who, who are we representing here? Is it, uh, is it a, a local organization, a national organization, a sports league? And each of those kind of have standards that, that they want to, um, uh, to meet on our, uh, you know, for that particular event. So, uh, you know, additional things are funding, uh, how many personnel are going to be involved, how many personnel are available to be involved if there's a, you know, a particular task or position that needs to be filled. And, you know, and then, and then also private partners, because uh, when we're always bottom line is uh, public safety and thinking about uh, EMS and uh, what does that process look like? And, uh, you know, how quickly can we uh, engage them, how far away are transports. I mean, there's just so many things, but that initial assessment of what a, what does the organization have locally and what are the expectations uh, is kind of a, you know, get to know you dance and, and then you go from there. You know, I, I got to work uh, a film festival. Um, once I got to work, I, I was hired to, to work EMS um, coordinating that. You wouldn't think that a film, film festival would have, an EOC apparatus type thing, but it did. It was really, it was just like being in a, uh, active for, for an event for like a, a emergency. Right. And same sections and everything it was really run very similar. And that's where I first learned like, Oh wow, this is like when you're doing a large scale event like that, uh, multiple days over multiple dirt, like spread across um, you need to have that incident management mindset. Um, have you ran into problems where people think they can just run it, you know, out of the back of the car with a, you know, some pencils and paper and instead of having an incident management team? Yes. And, uh, quite a bit actually. And, uh, and, you know, we may have time to talk about, um, you know, different categories of events. The, the film industry, uh, as you mentioned, actually is, is pretty well advanced. They, um, they, they often uh, include EMS and fire personnel on the set. Most of those things are in and, and emergency management or, or maybe even IMT, as you mentioned, most of the things are, those are because something unfortunate has happened in the past and they've raised their standard and required that uh, to occur. Um, to answer your question directly, people that run it out of the back of their car, so to speak, probably have not experienced something that became litigious for them. And, and, uh, you know, they, they haven't experienced a, a bad occurrence. And, um, and so they, uh, make promises or make, uh, make everybody feel comfortable, you know, that doesn't understand that world that, uh, you know, oh, well, we'll, we'll take care of all of this for you. But my standard, drive every single day is that 90% of my job happens before the emergency because once it does occur, it's really too late uh, unless you've pre-planned, you know, multiple layers ahead of time. So you, you get, you know, you're looking at an event and and your team is formed. Um, Why is it critical to use the, the principles of incident command system and then using the incident management team um, to run, say, you know, we we're just talking about before the show started, uh, the air show that you you worked. Why is it important to even for an air show or or something along those lines? Why is it critical to use that that format? 
Well, um, if you think about it, the National Incident Management System, uh, which ICS is one part of, is the National Incident Management System. It's not the, uh, what do you think of this? Give it a shot. Maybe this will help you. It really is the standard, as good or bad as it might be, and everybody will have differing opinions on that, it is a national standard that is set, then you likely will be judged against um, if something were to go wrong. And, uh, and for those that don't know, uh, our NIMS process is used overseas in many countries, not just the U.S. Um, in some cases, they do a better job than us. In other cases, they're just getting started. Um, but uh, I had a conversation with someone from uh, South Africa just last week that said uh, they have officially adopted uh, NIMS. They call it something different, but essentially cut and pasted uh, what we do here in the ICS process uh, to in some areas in um, in their country. So uh, it it standardizes things, right? And and we get everybody to go through the initial online uh, NIMS courses, and and they whine and complain and cry about it until they have to use it. And then they say, Oh, I wish I had paid better attention when I was right. doing those online classes. So what it does is gets everybody in the same book. And eventually the goal is to get everybody in the same chapter and, and ideally on the same page. And that's what the, the NIMS ICS process does. And, and as I mentioned, that's occurring all over the world. I've, I've been in different countries and taught other uh, government entities, uh, our process. And um, go ahead. Well, with that, what advice do you give to somebody who's <clears throat> never had a, a large scale event, you know, in their jurisdiction um, and all of a sudden, and I'll give you a great example. Um, you know, he, I mean, in Orange County, we've had large events before, uh, but we had a presidential debate that was plopped onto our, our uh, uh, onto our plate, which is a whole, if, you've, if you guys ever dealt with the secret service and all that kind of stuff, it's a, it's a very unique uh, situation. Um, but you know, wh- how do you, wh- what's the first piece of advice you give to somebody that all of a sudden now they have a national stage that they've never had before? Well, a, a presidential debate is, is certainly one of those uh, high level, right? You're going to get an advanced team from the secret service. That's going to come in and, and assess you kind of like we talked about just a few minutes ago. What do you have? What can you do? And then they're, they're going to say, here's our standard and here's what we want provided. Um, Even though they are technically mandated to follow the NIMS ICS process, uh, they have their own procedures and and you got to make those kind of work out. So the first piece of advice uh, I would, I would tell people is that uh, kind of your previous question is build a team and start building them today because those events, uh, may or may not come in your future. However, uh, the reason it's the, the reason it's even more important to start building today is because even a small event can go wrong. And I often tell people that the bigger the event, for example, a Super Bowl or a presidential uh, conference or, or uh, um, uh, debate or something like that, those are highly secure locations. Those are highly secure events. That lots of resources are thrown out ahead of time, but um, the small parade in your community is not. And you think about um, uh, the uh, unfortunate event in Wisconsin where uh, they drove through the parade, you know, and killed quite a few people and injured a bunch of others. That's a soft event, right? It's a soft target. 
and people don't think about that and they think, well, it's just a parade. This is everybody's happy and everybody, you know, loves, loves the holidays. And, you know, we're all sitting around drinking hot chocolate. Not everybody's thinking that. And quite honestly, uh, it's, it's really naive of us for, for us to believe that there's not people out there planning to attack every single incident, the smaller and, and less formal it is, the softer target it is. So, uh, consider that come with that point of, of reference from everything is that, uh, that, uh, you know, somebody out there wants to do us harm and, and maybe not us in particular, but maybe the community or make a statement or whatever that might be. Or, or in some cases it's not even, uh, on purpose, right? I mean, <clears throat> well, the Santa Monica, uh, back in, it was at 99 or 2000, I forget what it was. Um, uh, when the, uh, the guy, old man, uh, drove through the farmer's market as an example, or uh, the drunk kids that drove through the parade in New Mexico just a, a few months ago. You know, even those things occur that you have to have a plan where, where you're doing with people. So, you know, I know we plan for for an attack, which is probably the easiest way to think about it. But you cannot, once you're planning for that big one, um, meaning something that's nefarious, when something goes sideways that's not nefarious, uh, you're, you're ready for that one as well. Uh, do you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and often I'll start the conversation that way is okay. Maybe, maybe, uh, this parade or, or air show isn't, isn't, uh, you know, a target of attack, at least that we know of. And certainly people are doing their intelligence background in, in a lot of those cases in one form or another, but what about the typical accident? You know, air show is a great example is we can Google air show accidents all over the world, Ramstein, Germany, and, yeah. and where lots of people are injured and killed. Things go wrong when you're doing risky things. So just from a uh, what if something happens accidentally uh, perspective, you need to plan. And, and I'll just highlight planning must occur ahead of time. And one of my favorite quotes is, uh, failing to plan is indeed planning to fail. Mm. And, uh, and you want, you want people to come into those initial meetings with the perspective of what could go wrong, even if it's wild and a crazy idea and that's never happened before. Let's talk about it. Let's put it on the table and let's say, Hey, these are the things we can do something about. And here's the things we cannot. So the history of air shows has changed over uh, decades because of things that just went wrong. They were not intentional, but uh, those are great examples. Well, I mean, if you think about there's uh, in sports uh, arenas, there's been stadium collapses. There's been uh, stage collapses on, on uh, graduation, uh, things like this. So, you know, we, Oh, well, heck, I mean, where was it? Was it Kansas city where the, where the uh, walkway just decided to, you know, fall, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, things like that. So yeah, planning for even those, awful, you know, weird things that you would never think would happen is critical. Um, you know, most of the people that listen to the show, you know, emergency manager professionals, we have an idea uh, of what the incident command system is. Um, and we think we know what incident management teams are. Um, and But there's a difference. Talk, talk me through the difference between an incident management team and just the ICS structure. Sure. Um, so, so what I'll do with that is I'll start at the top of the uh, top of the pile, so to speak. Um, many of you have probably heard of, you know, a type one incident management team and you think, oh, it's this, this team of people that are, you know, sitting in their vehicles ready to fire it up and, 
and respond out to a, to a location to deal with an emergency. That's not the case. It's folks like myself that have full-time jobs and other responsibilities, but we agree to serve on a, a roster of a, a type one or type two incident management team that's, that's federally sponsored. And, uh, you know, we get, sometimes we get some notice that, uh, Hey, we're going to be uh, deployed tomorrow. And sometimes we get much shorter notice, Hey, we need to go now. And, um, uh, you can count on. So the reason I'm starting at the top is, is this, you can count on, a, a minimum of 72 hours before a type one team, the best that's out there can take over your incident. So you own it for 72 hours until we actually assume command, get through all the delegation of authority and, and, uh, and uh, take over that incident. It's yours. It's your, you know, all, all emergencies begin and end locally. And uh, you're going to manage it until we can get there with all of the uh, people and, and, and uh, equipment that we need to, to assume that that's assuming that you can afford to do that. Right. You can count on a type one team is about a million dollars a day. So that's by the time you've ordered them and agreed to get them out, it's you've already spent a million dollars and they're not even on an airplane or in a vehicle yet. So uh, that's just the cost for it. Type two team, uh, which is, which is very, very close. In fact, uh, the uh, complex sensor management system is going to blend those together in the near future where there would just be uh, incident management teams or critical incident management teams. Uh, but, but a type two team is just slightly uh, less experienced uh, folks, but it makes up the exact same process, exact same response time, the exact same positions, the exact same roster uh, for each of those um, and, uh, and so those are the, the federal, federal teams that, uh, you could, uh, plan for, but I also challenge you to think about, you probably have not had a conversation with all of the people necessary to make that happen on short notice. Either way, 72 hours before they're fully up and engaged and ready to, to take it over. And then the next step, uh, goes to type three incident management teams, um, and those are uh, typically local. Now that could be state local, county local, regional local, or even uh, jurisdiction local. And those are the all hazards uh, teams that come from people you know, you work with that are close by and, and can come on much shorter notice. And really those are the folks that you want to train up and focus on because they've got to do this for 72 hours until someone above them uh, can come in and take over. All of those, um, even though a type three all hazards uh, team is smaller in numbers, they still need to accomplish all of the exact same positions in ICS. So the org chart will look the same. Uh, an ICS 203 form will look the same regardless of the incident or the size of the team. One of the rules that I, that I teach people is uh, you can have a full-blown uh, org chart built out with all of these boxes and functions that, that need to occur, but you only have six people as part of the team. Well, guess what? If you have boxes below you on the chart or on the 203 that don't have someone else's name that is trained and, uh, and you know, um, at the site to assist, guess who's responsible for it? The person above it. So all of those functions still occur, right? Even if it's a, you know, 12 or 15 hour incident, you need to hydrate and feed 
those responders. You need to provide rest breaks and rehab, right? So logistics is, is the people that do that. So if you just say, well, we'll just run out and grab some pizzas and a couple of cases of water when we need to, well, that, if it's a dramatic, traumatic event, that's causing people, uh, to, to, um, you know, suffer some, uh, some of the traumas that come along with those types of things, you have to be very cautious ahead of time and plan for additional time for things to get done. And, uh, and kind of that response piece that supports your responders. So, those are kind of the three main levels. Uh, I'll go a little bit deeper just because just I think it's um, maybe relative to, to some that uh, are listening. So a type four incident would be something that occurs uh, that you pretty much can clean up with your local resources and uh, with your local people. And it's going to be done before the next shift change. So if you think of a timeline rather than a size and complexity, um, it's, you know, we're going to use the on-duty forces that are here. They're going to go out and deal with this, you know, uh, vehicle accident, you know, uh, you know, structure fire, wildland fire, whatever it is. But we're going to wrap it all up for the most part within within the first uh, operational period. And we don't need to bring outside folks. And then a type five incident is everyday 911 calls, right? It's it's everything up to, hey, we're going to deal with this in, a, in an hour uh, up to, you know, maybe a half a day. Uh, but it's the everyday 911 resources. You're not bringing anybody in from the outside. For type four and type five, you typically are not going to establish a full IMT. You're not going to have time to do that because remember the uh, ICS process follows the, excuse me, the uh, planning P, and the planning P is intended to prep you to write a plan for the next operational period. If that's tonight or tomorrow or even you know a, a day or two away, you're always doing that planning process, get yourself ahead of the curve while also managing the current emergency. So all of this is really about a timeline. And that's uh, what I try to explain to people. How long do you think we're going to be here? How many resources are we need? How many shifts are we going to work? How long are our operational periods going to be? And all of that is part of the ICS process. So uh, knowing those terms, understanding that process, paying attention when you go to these classes rather than Hey, somebody voluntold me to go and I, I have to be here uh, can be a can be a critical uh, moment for you uh, when things go bad. So how do you implement that process into planning for a pre-planned event, say like large sporting event um, you know, or a parade or something like, like like large ones, like not. Well, I guess local ones, too. Right. How do you use that process to plan for that pre-planned event? So early notification is critical. When is it going to happen? What day has been chosen? A lot of times, um, uh, you know, uh, jurisdictions will say, hey, we're going to have a, a parade on this date or time. And, uh, you know, we'll take care of the permitting. And, and uh, you know, in a lot of cases, they're inviting those organizations in because it brings commerce into the into the to the area. And um and they make those decisions a little bit in a vacuum. And and it's not until a couple of weeks before the event that they say, oh, well, we didn't think about public safety. We didn't think about emergency management. We didn't. Uh, there's this ICS thing out there that we probably ought to discuss. So it's really about relationships. Uh, and the larger the organization, the harder that is. But once, uh, once a, a community has agreed 
to take on some sort of special event, they really need to start making notifications to those experts that understand the ICS process right away, immediately. Sooner you can know about that, the better. And then as, uh, for example, if that were to come to me, then I would start asking those questions. What is the assessment? How long is it going to last? How many people? What does it uh, entail? And I can start to make an assessment of how many resources we're going to need for that and how long it's going to last. Uh, For everybody's information, uh, there is a FEMA complexity incident analysis document that was released uh, last summer, I believe, that is out there. Uh, it's fairly user-friendly. Uh, it's really it's really not meant as a mathematical equation to tell you this is what you need. It's more meant to stimulate conversations between the necessary people that need to be involved ahead of time. Uh, so that's a tool if you're not familiar with it. And then, uh, you know, uh, search out uh, those folks that uh, are, uh, to use your words, experts in the area and, and get their assessment, you know. And, and uh, a lot of these things I'm telling you today are things that I would tell uh, tell people that right from the very beginning, these are things we need to discuss, accidental or intentional, or a little of both, or uh, you know, just a an unanticipated failure of something can uh, can create a lot of havoc in 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 uh, in these events. What are like a couple of the planning missteps that you've been that you've been involved with or seeing that you learned from that you could share? Uh, how long is this show, Todd? <laughs> you got three minutes. <laughs> three minutes. Good. I can do it all in three. A um, couple of couple of big things that jump out at me is is uh, first uh, first and foremost is when they okay I've accepted we're going to follow the process we're going to write an instant action plan and I'm going to assign Joe to write that instant action plan and Joe goes into his office and writes that all by himself right or may make a phone call and say you know, tell me how many police officers that you're going to have there and I'll include them and, and, uh, tell me how the fire personnel are going to be there and I'll include them. And they write the, the plan in a, in a vacuum. The plan doesn't matter. The paper that it's written on the computer that's typed on makes no difference if you didn't follow the planning process ahead of time. So everybody makes fun of it. The planning P, you know, sometimes it looks like a Q, you know, it's, it's all different, uh, shapes and methods, but What's really, really important is the process you're going through to get everybody in the same book, same chapter, same page. It's less important about what you actually write on the paper, right? And uh, and then the second piece is as soon as I finish writing an IAP and I hit print to make copies for everybody or I hit send to send it out electronically to everybody, it's already outdated because there's things we have missed and there's things that won't go as planned the intent of the process to have all the right people engaged. They understand their roles and responsibility. I call that boxes and lanes and uh, that they uh, can engage in a uh, process, something that occurs that they hadn't planned for. So what we're really trying to do, and, and this would be my, my third point to this is we're really trying to, plan out, solidify, and organize the things that we know are going to occur in that special event so that we have capacity to deal with things that we didn't know were going to occur. Surprises, accidents, intentional uh, attacks, etc. Those are the the main things. Um, 
if you if you follow the planning p even as awkward or uncomfortable or unrehearsed as it might be you will have important discussions along the way that will get everybody in the same book chapter and page one more thing i'll add because it's it's um uh often seen is uh people that are somewhat familiar with this will think about the 215 form, right? Typically a big wall chart. A lot of them are electronic. Now we do them right on a computer. And um, they used to be handwritten, uh, you know, a four by six chart up on the wall. And that's part of the tactics meeting. The 215 form does not go in the IEP. It is a tool and it is when you, it is to be done when you do your tactics meeting, which is, you know, the backside or top, uh, corner of the P as you're going around the cycle. And the 215 is intended to help you decide how many resources you need and what kind and where and when do you need them. It is a tool. And uh, a lot of people will say, well, I don't quite understand it and it doesn't go in the IEP anyway, so I'm not going to do it. Mm. And uh, in some cases, they will just put resources right on the 204. The missing, the part that they miss on that is that the 215 is where operations safety and someone from plans and logistics kind of watching over their shoulder. They're all looking at what is the, the, the tactical uh, solution to this problem ahead of time rather than after the fact. And they're all looking at it with different perspectives, but they have similar input to the solution. And can I support all of these people from a logistics standpoint, they're trying to support them with food and water and hydration and rest and equipment and safety gear and all that kind of stuff from an operations. They're trying to look at it from, can I accomplish this with the resources that we're adding onto this 215 chart here? And then, uh, uh, planning is there basically to uh, capture all of that, ask all the right questions, get it on the forms. So ultimately, in the end, it goes into the IEP uh, so we can get ready for an operations briefing. But a lot of people miss that 215 because they don't understand it. They 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 think it looks it looks very simple, uh, but it seems very complex. And so they just kind of skip over it. And um, and I've I've been um, uh, uh, asked to. Um, to some very similar question in some situations about what it, what is the, the form that you think uh, is missing or the piece of the process that's missing. And, and that's one of them for sure. 215. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ryan. You're absolutely right. And uh, Jeanette um, shared the, uh, in the, in the LinkedIn, on the LinkedIn page, if you guys are following here, um, Jeanette shared the complex um the FEMA incident complexity guide. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, as we look at this and we have a lot of stuff coming up here, you know, a lot of jurisdictions have, um, holiday parades, uh, you know, the Macy's Thanksgiving day parades coming up for New York city, uh, Rose bowl parades coming up for Pasadena, um, you know, sporting events and things like this that are happening across the country during this time of the year. I think this is a really great conversation to have because, I think sometimes even small jurisdictions forget that planning um, is critical to success and, and using the tools that we have as emergency managers um, and, and city administrators uh, to be able to utilize the ICS system and, and create an incident management team that would be able to, to show this would make everybody safer at the end of the day. And I think that's what we're trying to do here today. Troy, parting words, what's, what's one last uh, tip that you'd give to everybody before we let you go? Um, uh, 
<laughs> one last tip, boy, um, that's tough to nail it down to just one. Uh, I think I've, I think I've given you a lot of things to think about and, and hopefully those that are out there um, take, take that to heart. Think about your organization or uh, and your organization could be formal. It could be informal, but think about your organization and what, what's going to happen to that organization if something goes bad again, accidental or intentional, is it going to impact uh, your ability to do that event again? Is it going to impact you financially? Is it going to impact you litigiously, right? Everybody sues everybody for everything now. Um, and can you get, uh, get through uh, a major event and through the uh, possible litigious uh, things that happen afterwards and honestly say, we followed the process the best we could from day one. And I'm not talking about that particular special event. I'm talking about go all the way back to 2003 when the NIMS doctrine was released and mandated by the feds, right? Are you, are you training all of your personnel in the minimum standards? And, um, and can they all come forward and say, look, I'm not very experienced in this, but I did take the training. The terminology sound familiar and I contributed to the process um, by going to the meetings, you know, according to, according to the standards, uh, I'll just remind everybody is the national incident management system, not the do it if you want, if it sounds good system. So, uh, that's probably my, my best parting words for everyone. Troy, thank you so much for your time today. It's always great hearing you from me and seeing you and, uh, looking forward to, uh, seeing you over in Savannah in a couple of weeks or a couple of, well, not a couple of weeks in one week. Yeah. So it's going to be a great time. Yeah. Sounds right. good. We'll see you there. See you there. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. Um, I know this sometimes becomes complicated and complex. We've only been talking about it for about 30 minutes, but there's so much more to it. Jane, I think when you asked the question about IS, you talk about independent study, or maybe you missed ICS, the Incident Command Systems. I'm not sure uh, what that is a reference to, but hopefully that answered your question. If not, please reach out to us, and we'll see what we can help you with uh, with that. Hey, and, and everybody, thank you so much again for, for spending time because I think it's critical for us to have these conversations and pre-planning for these events that we're going to be having. The holiday seasons are, pro, are coming on to us, lots of parties and events and stuff like this that you can use the incident command system, the incident management team to help you prepare for and be ready for and support your organization, your city, um, and the people that are attending. Everybody, until next time, please stay safe. Stay hydrated.